0: Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. My name is Jeff. I am part of the show. The other part of the show is my esteemed colleague. Check that, my colleague. It is Mark A. Johnston. Mark A. Johnston, how are you doing?
1: Did you say I was steamed? I'm not remotely upset. No. Yeah, you got to take that back. (laughs) I don't want people (laughs) hearing that about me. I don't know what it means, but it's probably bad. (laughs) Uh, doing well, Jeff. Um, boy, it's it's trade trades went crazy. Uh, it was fun to watch. I'm acting like it's in the past because nobody's going to hear this until after the trade deadline's over.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the A's made a couple of <laughs> got rid of a couple well, of minor leaguers that were in the big leagues. But the Mets. I mean, Ooh. just uh, I, if it wasn't for that booth that is so entertaining, I might say there's nothing left to watch.
1: But boy, fire sale! My yeah. goodness,
0: uh, you want you want two uh, you want two Cy Young future Hall of Famers? <laughs> we got them. We got them. <laughs> we're gonna give you. We're gonna give one to each Texas team. If you're <laughs> you're a Texas team, you get a Cy Young Award winner. You get a Cy Young Award winner. Everybody gets a Cy Young Award winner.
1: Boy, oh boy! I tell you what, that team really looked good on paper. I thought
0: yeah I they did I mean not many former A's on the team anymore and, and of course Mark Canna was one of my all-time favorites and I, I can't really root for the Brewers because I'm rooting for the Reds so I don't know what to do uh-huh. well, we'll give it a we'll give it a little bit of time it's still fresh it's still fresh
1: yeah there you
0: go uh all right Mark let's uh let's get right into this first of all this is show 222 I'm very excited we're coming up on show 227 which uh, has always been my extension at work, but is also uh, the uh, name of the Jack K primetime uh, show in the, uh, I guess it was early 90s. Hey. You know, with... Uh, oh, with, yes. <laughs> what's her name? There was the maid from the Jeffersons and was also in it. Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying.
1: But. Yeah, I, I, I can come up with baseball player names sometimes, but uh, maids from the Jefferson, not so good at. No,
0: yeah. No. Yeah.
1: No. <laughs> It's Just me. All right, but this is
0: show two two two. Mark, before we get too into this show, I am a little sore this week. I had to hit the ground a couple of times during my game this week, so I'm a little bruised. I'm a little sore, so we definitely need to get some BP in here, kind of warm up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about that. But, uh, you know, you, you're a tough guy. I've seen you just brush it off.
0: Yeah, but you know, one of them was super embarrassing. You know, is I I know I know the rules of the game, not just the rules of the game, but you know. The situational rules. You don't want to make the first or third out on third base, right? You're down by a couple of runs. You're on third base with nobody out. Make sure you don't get out and you touch home plate. Well, when you're on the field playing, all that that stuff immediately goes out of your head. And uh, I got picked off at third. Oh no! <laughs> uh, after I I had a I, I hit a nice double down the line. I hit it really well. Then I got over to third, and uh, then my brain kind of escaped
1: to me. Well, but you got you hit a double.
0: Yeah, double nice. help that slugging percentage a little bit there. But nice. Uh, let's get right into this, though. First of all, Mark, this is so up our alley's. I think it's emo night at Bush Stadium on August fourth. Oh, sweet. This week, if you are in St. Louis and you are not going to a Cardinals game, there's really no other reason to go to a Cardinals game, Uh, but they are handing out t-shirts at this game. Uh, The font is in kind of the My Chemical Romance font, and uh, it reads, uh, My Cardinal Romance. Oh, I get it. And it's got the bird there, and he's got, you know, the St. Louis bird, and it's kind of got black eyeliner. (laughs) I don't think it's cutting itself, (laughs) which don't do that, and, and please seek help if you are a cutter. But I think this is a great thing. I have been informed within the last year that I was a huge and am a huge emo fan, apparently. Are you? I just thought it was rock and roll, but... These are some of the uh, user-suggested emo team names that I found attached to this article. Uh, Death Cubs for Cutie. Very good. There's a Seattle band, too. Uh Uh, Phillies Eat World. Newfound Orioles. The Plain White A's. uh, Also another (laughs) athletics one, the All Athletics Rejects, which I think that one fits. Spot on. Uh, Red's Jumpsuit Apparatus. The Fallout Rays. The All-American Royals. That's kind of... Like the all athletic rejects. Uh from Autumn to Angels, Pirates at the Disco, that's a really good one. I like that one. <laughs> Blue Jays Like Girls. That's another good one. And Taking D back Sunday.
1: Oh, that's good. I love Taking Back Sunday.
0: Yeah, now this is one I came up with. This is Cardinals specific. How about 30 seconds to Lars?
1: <laughs> I'm very proud of that. I like that, man. Well done.
0: Let's see here. Now, Mark, uh, you and I are wrestling fans. Uh, yes. Maybe not so much current wrestling, but definitely kind of WWF. Does this uh, theme music bring to mind anybody? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, it is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. This is uh, Gangrel's theme. Oh,
1: Gangrel, the vampire guy.
0: Yeah, he was the head of the brood with Christian and an Edge at one point. They would give people blood baths and stuff. Well, I've known this for a while, but the, something came across my timeline. Uh, Gangrel is from Northern California. He's from the Bay Area here. Big A's fan, hmm. And he posted on his uh, social media. It's kind of a flex. He's in up high at his apartment somewhere. I'm not just... Somewhere on the water. I'm, I think it's probably Florida. But he's got on a Kelly Green A's hat and the A's cell shirt. And all it said was hashtag cell and hashtag Fisher out. So nice. Very excited to have Gangrel on the old uh, Kelly Green boat with a us little, a little uh, celebrity endorsement. Yeah. Another one. Because I've yeah. done I mean, come on. We got Blake from uh, Workaholics. We've got Tom Hanks. He's been in some things. I don't know. And then Gangrel.
1: So, well, Gangrel obviously being the
0: biggest. Oh, trump's. Yes. He trumps everybody else. Uh, speaking of wrestling, this is great. So, Joey Votto. I, I mean, when I say this is great and Joey Votto, you could put a period after that. Joey yeah, absolutely. Great. So, he was on uh, MOB Network last week. He was talking to Chris Russo. I think he's mad dog is his nickname, I think. Uh, So he's talking to Chris Russo. And apparently the week prior, Russo had said that Joey Votto and Zach Greinke, who are both wrapping up their careers. Votto says this is his last year. I think Greinke might have said the same. Uh, Chris Russo says that these two belong in the Hall of Very Good when they retire, not the Hall of Fame. Ooh. So uh, this was, uh, you know, Joey comes on the show with uh, with Russo and he's just waiting. He's just waiting to address this. And uh, this is just classic Joey Votto. I wanted to play it here. I got something to say to you. One, a couple yeah. of months ago, you said that Zach Greinke and I are a hall of very good ballplayers. I think Zach and I would agree. You may be right. But I get the gist of what's going on here. I know what you're doing. You're looking down on us. A couple small market... Midwest ballplayers, just because we're not big city just like you, Mr. New York City, Sirius XM radio star, Mr. National Television, ESPN star, with your Fifth Avenue ties and your crisp pocket squares, your tailored suits and your polished shoes, and your hair, your perfectly coiffed Broadway hair. Must be nice to sit atop that Madison Avenue ivory tower looking down on us with those luscious locks. Not everyone can be the next Roger Peckinpah, mad dog. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> of course, oh, man. this is all tongue in cheek, Joey Votto, but this sure. man, he is not just a Canadian national treasure. He is, uh, he is just so much awesome. And, tell me he's not a big like Ric Flair fan cuz oh, what God, he that's did how just
1: you cut a promo. Yeah, right. he
0: just cut a mid-80s wrestling promo right there is what he did. Brilliant. <laughs> so, in the 80s he would have definitely been a heel, but today, Joey Votto would have been the like the way over babyface, like the post Hell in a Cell mankind, can't do anything wrong, breaking kayfabe for laughs, John Cena after he learned to relish the you suck chants, like that's Joey Votto in wrestling today and I love it. I'm here for it.
1: I, I, I couldn't be in more agreement with you, my friend.
0: And another thing I would know, how is this man not taking over for Pete Rose at WrestleMania and get chokeslammed by Kane every year?
1: Maybe it's coming. Maybe we need to start a a, a thing.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I know Kane's running some city in, in Tennessee right now, but as the mayor, but I still think he'd come out of retirement to slam a major league player every year once a, you know, not that hard. <laughs> I want a Joey uh, Vado Hall of fame speech so bad though. I
1: oh yeah
0: I just want a Joey vado speech period uh, at any point but uh, okay we're done with the wrestling portion of the show so everybody uh, if you are not a wrestling fan you can tune back in. Mark, it's been officially announced. Big sexy is hanging it up
1: yeah, uh, not for you real.
0: Yeah, not you. You're, you'll still be here. Uh, listeners, don't worry. Mark is not retiring.
1: I'm, I'm medium sexy.
0: <laughs> Fartola Colon will officially retire, and he's going to do so as a member of the New York Mets on September 17th. He's uh, 50 years old now, hasn't pitched in the majors since 2018. Wow. But uh, he is going to finally officially retire. 21 years, record of 247, 247 wins, 188 losses. That's pretty good. I mean, like 250 is becoming that kind of win total that you can't even see anybody getting to anymore, let alone 300. But he finished with 247, a 4.12 ERA. Uh, Let's see. He appeared in 565 games, played for... And write this down, immaculate uh, grid people. Cleveland, the Angels, the Mets, the A's, the White Sox, the Twins, Atlanta, Boston, Texas, Montreal, and the Yankees. Wow. So that's
1: a lot of teams right there. Uh, Who do you use more in the grid, Bartolo or Ricky? Because uh, I, for some reason, have Ricky on my mind. He seems to come up at least once a week, for me anyway. I use Ricky a lot.
0: I, I do too. I use Bartolo a lot just because I'm going for that lower score and I figure most people he's down the list a little bit. But yeah. There was there was one grid earlier, uh, I think it was last week, where I think Ricky could have filled four boxes in one grid.
1: <laughs> wow. Who is your most used player? Who do you use the most? That's a really good question. I'm not I'm not positive on that one, pal.
0: Because I, I think Bartolo is for me. I use him a lot. He and Ricky, yeah, but again, yeah. I, I try to, I try to stay away from using Ricky just because that's going to, you know, make my score go up a bit. Yeah. And uh, in case you're wondering, that's going to do it for the Immaculate Grid talk for this week. So it's <laughs> just we need to section these off so that people know when we're done with certain topics. There you go. Uh, let's see. Mark, this show is debuting on August 2nd. So we've got some debuts that happen this day throughout the history of baseball. Today in 1907, the big train, Walter Johnson, made his debut uh, let's see. Walter Johnson uh, debuted with the Washington Senators, lost the game three to two to Detroit, and he gave up the very first hit in his career was a bunt single by none other than Ty Cobb.
1: Wow, well, that's one <laughs> way to
0: start off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of wins in his twenty-one years in baseball, four hundred and seventeen, compared to the uh, two hundred and seventy-nine losses. I mean, this is just. Full of black ink here. Uh, let's see. Led the league in wins four years in a row and then five out of six. Uh, still holds the all-time record for complete game shutouts with 110. 531 <laughs> complete games in his career. <laughs> Jeez. That's just nuts. I, I mean, uh, what? how many games did I say Bartolo pitched in? He pitched in 565 games.
1: Goodness so gracious.
0: he pitched in 30 more games than uh, than the big train had complete games. That is incredible.
1: <laughs> that is amazing. I mean, how can, do you think his arm like hurt every day all the time?
0: I mean, it had to have. But obviously the mechanics and the the pace at which you're throwing the ball and so forth were a lot different sure. in, in the early 1900s. Uh let's see. Walter Johnson won two MVP awards. Uh, One in 1913 and then one in 1924. Three Triple Crowns, five ERA titles. And in 1924 was he member of the uh, Senators World Series team. That was his one World Series win. Boy, he only appeared in the postseason twice. 1924, when he was 36 years old, only went one and two. And then the next year, they got back and lost to the uh, Pirates where he went two and one. So geez, not a lot of postseason action for him. <laughs> Bummer. He must have been very excited at age 36 to finally get to a World Series. Uh, this is a quote from Ty Cobb, by the way, the aforementioned one who bunt had a bunt single uh, in his first game. He said, quote, the first time I faced him, which means he got a bunt hit off him, uh, I watched him take that easy windup, and then something went past me that made me flinch. The first... Thing just hissed with danger. We couldn't touch him. Every one of us knew we'd met the most powerful arm ever turned loose in a ballpark. End quote.
1: That's that's a nice thing to have said about you.
0: Yeah, I mean it's BS because you know he turned around and bunted. So sure. Still a nice thing to say. Uh, founding member of the three thousand strikeout club for his career, and I say founding member. He did it in nineteen twenty-three. That's when this club was established. The next pitcher that did it was uh, Bob Gibson, 50-plus years later. Wow. As I said, well, maybe I didn't say. I was thinking it. Inaugural member of the Hall of Fame in that first class in 1936. And this is something I I think we've mentioned it before, but it's always fun to talk about this. He uh, supposedly replicated a feat that it has been said George Washington did before him, where the founding father of our country supposedly threw a silver dollar across the Rappahonak River. Though it's uh, still disputed whether Washington himself did this, and I have never heard that George Washington had a great arm. Uh, And he's a known liar, so, you know, I don't know about this. But uh, Johnson did prove that it was physically possible, because he did it. Wow. I don't know if he skipped awesome. it or if he threw it, but he, he got it across. Uh, next, 1959, making his debut today, Jim Cott. Oh, nice. Yeah, won 16 consecutive Gold Glove Awards, 1962 through 1977. Also set the 20th century record by playing during the most presidential administrations oh wow so he played for 25 seasons he played while dwight eisenhower jfk lyndon johnson richard nixon gerald ford jimmy carter and ronald reagan were in office
1: (laughs) that just blows me away to put it that way
0: yeah that's a lot guess who
1: equaled this mark would it be Nolan Ryan? It
0: would. Yeah, he <laughs> retired during uh, during Clinton's uh, administration in 1983. Let's see. Uh, in, uh, Jim Cott, also a big golfer. Apparently, 10 years ago, he shot his age, which means he, uh, you know, how old he, how old he was. What was he? I, I could do math, but I'm not going to. Oof,
1: mathematics, no. Uh,
0: let's see. He was actually uh, 74, so he shot a 74, which is only two over, which is very good. Uh, He did that while playing right-handed, a feat that he had previously accomplished three other times playing left-handed.
1: Okay, that just makes me mad.
0: That's impressive. I can't play golf from either side. No, like, it's impressive to shoot your age when you're in your 70s, absolutely, but to do it with your non-dominant hand, I mean... That's that's
1: great. That's showing off is what that is.
0: Yeah, so Jim Cott, three-time All-Star, member of the uh, 1982 uh, St. Louis Cardinals when they won the World Series. And as I said, 16 gold gloves. That is just incredible. There was uh, two years where he didn't win it. Looks like he was injured for one of them. I mean, what, Rafael Palmeiro won one when he didn't play a single game at first, right? So...
1: that's that is unfortunate
0: why not just uh just let him have it keep that streak going also making his debut today in 1973 we got a lot of hall of famers here i if i didn't mention uh, jim cott is uh was inducted last year uh, via the veterans committee another hall of famer making his debut today in 1973 none other than the mullet george brett Ooh. That's one of our show favorites here. Uh, Only player in Major League history to win a batting championship in three different decades. So we've got a lot of guys that debuted today that A, went into the Hall of Fame, but two, had some really long careers when we're talking about, uh, you know, how many presidential administrations and how many decades they played in. So, pretty impressive. He hit 333 in 1976, 390 in 1980, and 329 in 1990. But we don't talk about that because he sat out the last game or two. Ricky didn't win the batting title. Uh, but beyond that, George Brett, uh, you see, he was MVP in 1980, a member of the 1985 Royals, of course, a 13 time All Star won three batting titles and was the ALCS MVP as well. Some other things, uh, one of five players to have 3,000-plus hits, 300-plus home runs, and a 300-plus lifetime batting average. The other four are Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Stan Musial, and Miguel Cabrera. Those guys are good. I mean, if you're (laughs) being mentioned in a sentence with those four Other people, that's pretty impressive. Uh, Some other important things about George Brett. He appeared as himself on an episode of Fantasy Island, which I have covered before. Uh, Let's see, an episode of Modern Family, Arliss, and Brockmire. He also appeared as a member of the Swedish Olympic hockey team in the 1981 version of Miracle on Ice about the 1980 U.S. hockey team. And at one point, he was a pitchman for spot-built shoes and then Puma Hmm. So a lot of shoes and seven up.
1: Well, that's a happy one.
0: And uh, our final debut today, another Hall of Famer. (laughs) This is going to be four for four. 1990 Frank Thomas, the big hurt, made his debut. Too
1: much, much fanfare.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's see. 521 career home runs. That's a lot last time I checked. And a 301 lifetime batting average. There are only five players. In the history of the game, who have hit both more home runs and have a higher career batting average than the Big Hurt. That is Hank Aaron, Jimmy Fox, Willie Mays, Babe Ruth, and Manny Ramirez. (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah. uh, Again, some really good names. Manny Ramirez kind of sticks out there. Let's see, seven consecutive seasons with a 300 or better batting average and at least 100 walks, 100 runs scored, and 100 RBI along with 20 home runs. Seven consecutive
1: seasons of that. That's very impressive.
0: The only other player to have more than five, Ted Williams, who had six. (laughs) So again, just names that...
1: Good company to be in. This is
0: how you become a Hall of Famer. You get spoken about in sentences with those kind of names, was simply known as The Rookie in Mr. Baseball, one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. Uh, It's a bit of a shock, though, to see Frank Thomas wearing Yankee pinstripes.
1: That might. I have a cousin who that might actually cause some very bad physical damage if you were to see that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, let's see. Frank Thomas was in the Holy Grail, all as well, of uh, baseball players in primetime sitcoms that wasn't Seinfeld, The Simpsons, or Sabrina, The Teenage Witch. He was in the We're on Strike and Have Nothing Else to Do. So let's all appear in an episode of Married with Children in 1994. Oh, yes. We've referenced that many times. Uh, He starred alongside Mike Piazza, fresh off his Baywatch appearance. Brett Saberhagen, not rapping. Danny Tartable, not uh, riding in a car with uh, somebody flipping people off. Dave Winfield, not killing seagulls. And my favorite, Joe Morgan. Nice. I I wasn't going to include this in a debuts uh, because he's not a Hall of Famer, but we talked about him in regards to the Hall of Fame recently. Making his debut today in 1997
1: was Todd Helton. Oh, yeah, should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah,
0: we're we're both pro-Todd Helton here. Uh, Received a scholarship for the University of Tennessee to play both baseball and football. 1994 is junior season. Jerry Colquitt who was the starting quarterback, apparently, at Tennessee, was injured. Helton took over the reins as starter. Three weeks later, he was injured, and uh, somebody who I've actually heard of, Peyton Manning, became his replacement as a true freshman, and I guess he went on to do some stuff in in, uh, the NBA, is it? Or uh, uh, WMB? what? Uh, no, the NFL, NFL, there we
1: go. Oh, that's it, yeah. I couldn't think of it. I was puzzled and I was starting to Google it. <laughs> yeah, so Helton, the first major
0: league player in history to have 35 or more doubles for 10 consecutive seasons. Nice. Two notes here. I like to do this kind of today in baseball history to go along with debuts. Today in 1921, a Chicago jury... Found uh, the black socks that were on trail not guilty or on trial as opposed to the trail. uh, They found them not guilty. That night, the jurors, along with those uh, that were on trial, went out and uh, celebrated together at an Italian restaurant.
1: Uh, yeah, it, it was uh, an interesting time.
0: Yeah. So uh, Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis, who was, of course, the uh, commissioner at that point, ignored this civil verdict and banned all eight defendants from baseball for life. And then finally today in 1938, Larry McPhail had some baseballs dyed dandelion yellow and they were used in the first game of a doubleheader between the Dodgers and Cardinals at Ebbets Field. The Dodgers won 6-2. They used up those yellow balls in the next three games. Hmm. So I did not know that. I mean, you and I, we've talked about the yellow balls that Charlie Finley was trying to get along with the designated hitter, and that never, never happened. But apparently they have been used in actual major league games before, which is... Something I was not aware of. No, I did not know that either. All right, Mark, that's going to do it for our BP segment. Grounds crew's already on it. They're out here watering down that infield. They've already dragged it. Chalk looks beautiful today. Uh, apparently, while we were on the road last week, they had a concert, so the outfield grass looks like crap, but <laughs> infield it looks looks beautiful. All right, Mark, I got something today. Uh, this is one of those uh, things that uh, I've becoming infamous for at least in my own mind, where I find an old-timey article that might be three to seven sentences long, and I make a whole story out of it. And uh, this is
1: one of them. Oh, right on. Those are my favorites.
0: Well, they turn out to be my favorites, too, because I just keep going uh, down rabbit holes uh, as I I do some research into these. So I want to talk today about spitballs. Uh, They they were a thing. We're not going to talk about spitballs, per se. But I just want to lay a little groundwork here. Obviously, spitballs were legal for a while. They were kind of a dangerous thing. Just imagine that back in the time when spitballs were illegal, you didn't use that many baseballs during a game. Just a couple of them. They just keep using them until literally they fell apart. So you're using those. They're getting dirty in the first place because normal wear and tear. It's a sport. It's played on dirt and grass. Now imagine if the pitcher is also loading that ball up with spit or tobacco, or hair dye, or motor oil, or black gold, or Texas tea. (laughs) Whatever's available to get, you know, a little bit different movement on it. It's going to get pretty dark as the game drags on. And if that sun starts to go down, that thing's going to get even harder to see. So it posed a danger. So you can see why baseball outlawed the use of it after the 1919 season, as if they had nothing else to focus on after the 1919 season. Right. They had jurors going out with uh, with White Sox. I mean, it's a pandemonium. But what if your team isn't utilizing a spitter? But the other team is. How do you counter that? Well, St. Louis Brown's captain Harry Howell asked his team, hey, what can we do to counter a spitball? Literally what I just said before, but I just said it as if I was Harry Howell. So he got his best minds on it. According to this article, a guy called Charlie Moran... Nicknamed Uncle Charlie, not a not a pitcher, unfortunately, who this article lists as a Georgetown College graduate. Despite the fact I can find zero evidence he ever attended any school called Georgetown anything. He did attend the University of Tennessee for a single year to play football before leaving for Bethel College. He did go on to actually become a major league baseball umpire. But uh, I could not find a single thing about him playing professionally. Regardless, this article describes Moran as a, quote, amateur chemist who spends his spare moments experimenting with chemicals, end quote.
1: That just (laughs) sounds dangerous. I'm sorry. If you're going to have a hobby, you know, chemistry, really?
0: Yeah, it was just every waking moment that he is not doing something, he is uh, experimenting with chemicals. That's, uh, that's, that's great. Uh, this article, by the way, never mentions how Charlie is associated with the team. He wasn't a player, as I said. He was just, I guess, a team chemist on retainer. I don't know. Uh, I didn't know they needed chemists back then. I thought A-Rod and Jose Canseco I, were the first players. I think they
1: had apothecaries.
0: Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> apothecaries <laughs> on call. So the Detroiters, as they are called in this article, come into town and Frosty Thomas was scheduled to throw against St. Louis here and he employed a spitball. Side note, I could find nothing saying Frosty Thomas actually threw a spitter, but he did throw an unorthodox knuckleball that people often mistook for a spitter. Mm. In something right out of the WWE, I see I lied earlier. We're not done with wrestling, Tom. And again, I'm taking most of this article with a very large grain of salt. Uh, And I quote from the article here, Coughlin of the Detroiters was seen by hundreds go to the bench stoop down, reach into a satchel, and take out a dark brown bottle filled with some mixture. Abstracting the cork. Oh, we've got a highbrow author here, if you haven't noticed. He extracted the cork. He (laughs) took the cork out. Was that so hard to say? Acting like a 13th century poet reading this crap Uh, okay back to the back to the quote here quote abstracting the cork he poured the contents of the bottle into the pocket of his glove and rubbed the ball into it end quote so there's some information missing here but i have deduced uh from this is that coughlin was on the bench and a game ball rolled into the dugout he procured it for those of our listeners who speak in iambic pentameter, grabbed a bottle out of his bag, poured its contents into his glove, then rubbed the ball in his glove, all without the umpire seeing it, but in full view of the crowd.
1: (laughs) That is impressive, David Copperfield. So this is
0: stuff Vince Russo couldn't even write, you know, this kind of stuff. So the crowd reacted, right? They see this happening, but just like dangerous Danny Davis, the umpire... Just missed seeing this. Must have been distracted by Miss Elizabeth in the other dugout or something. I don't know. But it's okay, because the Browns had their own amateur apothecary, I'm going to say that now, uh, from an unknown school on the case. So Harry himself or somebody else soaked their hands in benzene, which supposedly counteracted the effects of the mystery liquid from this mystery bottle. Now, a couple of things to clear up here, as this article seems to have left a, a good bit out. First of all, what was being rubbed on the ball by the Detroiters
1: was probably licorice juice or spit. <laughs> now that, see, a, a chemist would take years to
0: come up with that. Yeah, who does that? I don't know exactly what it was, but that's what most people rubbed spitballs up with, uh, licorice or another licorice related liquid. So why didn't the pitcher, instead of doing this big thing in the dugout, why didn't they just chanter their inner Turk Wendell and put some licorice in their mouth and eat it? Spitballs are legal at this point. You get some fresh stuff from the source. I mean, just spit on the ball. It's called spitball after all, right? Or lick your fingers with it in your mouth. Uh, licorice that is not the ball. I mean, you, you could also just put the ball in your mouth if you wanted to. be able it. to do that. I'm not going to
1: judge. But. I would suggest trying it. Next, the
0: word benzene is not used in this article until the second to last sentence. Now, there's no context to it. If it's just benzene itself, it's a mixture. What the heck is it? First, let it be known that benzene is a volatile, flammable petroleum used especially as a solvent or as motor fuel. <laughs> okay. So the Browns are just walking around with guys with flammable fuel on their hands in case somebody happens to pour licorice juice on a ball. This is a sentence I just said.
1: boy i'm trying to make heads and tails of it man that's absolutely bizarre so these are two sentences
0: using the word benzene used recently in newspaper articles all right here is one quote someone had been killed in the chair their body dragged to the closet then later removed soaked in benzene and ether and ignited end quote Another one, quote, Accordingly, his lieutenants doused his body in benzene, lighted it on fire, burned it in a nearby shell crater, end quote. (laughs) Okay, this is not stuff to fool around with. I just hope nobody tried to give any of these guys a hot foot while their hands were soaked in benzene. Ooh, that would have been a, a, a
1: sight to see, I'll tell you that.
0: Oof. Say what you will about Jorge Posada or Mosey Salou, uh, but they're not going to be engulfed in flames if they get too close to a candle.
1: Of course, that is the solution to the problem.
0: So are you, are you hypothesizing that instead of benzene, they could have just urinated on the baseball?
1: Oh, I think if their hands caught fire, they should urinate on those.
0: Oh, okay. I see you're putting out the fire. Okay, maybe that was maybe they teach that at this Georgetown college that I can find no record of. I don't know. (laughs) The final sentence of this article is the chef's kiss, though. It says, quote, the discovery is a great one. And as Moran intends to have it patented, he may quit the ball field and may live off the proceeds of his clever invention, end quote. Right. So he's going (laughs) to live off of this formula, by the way, which the paper then prints in the article. Me thinks there might not quite be the market this uh, supposed Georgetown grad thinks there might be for licorice remover for a baseball. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, In case you're interested in uh, counteracting a spitballer at your company softball game, all you need, according to this article, is a small bottle of benzene which if ingested, of course, could cause you to suffocate due to accumulation of fluid in your lungs, as well as seizures, paralysis, and if you do survive, you can have potentially fatal lung damage, severe skin irritation, burning, and blisters. So I hope nobody's rubbing their eyes after putting this <laughs> on their hands. Okay, so uh, back to this concoction. One small bottle of benzene, small up to the user, I guess. It's, uh, it's your call what small is. Uh, one cake of soap, which happens to be my least favorite kind of cake. Uh, mm. Water, a bucket full. That's what it says. And finally, waste. One half pound. Waste? I, <laughs> waste. <laughs> Maybe that's how he's going to patent this because there are really no measurements here. Just uh, add enough of this <laughs> until you think it's enough and then add a little more. I don't know what the heck this genius thinks putting flammable fuel that could kill you all over yourself. Uh, What does he consider waste, if not that? (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to know. By the way, there is a four-panel cartoon accompanying this article, which depicts Moran... In uh, different states of experimenting with different chemicals before eventually coming up with this genius, totally safe and totally not flammable or toxic mixture. (laughs) In this cartoon, also pictured is lye, which we've talked about that. It uh, used to chalk the base paths with that. That's why uh, players wear sanitary socks so they don't get poisoned by it. Not good stuff. Another thing you can put on a body to, uh, to help get rid of it if you are ever murdering somebody. Not that you heard it from here, from me or this podcast. It was Mark. No. Uh-huh. Uh, also <laughs> also uh, depicted a bottle of anti licorice.
1: <laughs> I
0: didn't know there was anti licorice. Didn't either. But, question Mark. If there was already something
1: called anti-licorice,
0: why not use that?
1: <laughs> yeah, the anti-licorice apparently wasn't antiing enough. It probably wasn't flammable. That's I would have
0: gone with that. In this cartoon, by the way, they, uh, they draw what waste is. It's depicted as a rag. Used solely to wipe the stuff on the ball. So if that's what waste is, I don't. Waste I was thinking right. like nuclear waste or you know, a super yeah. sight, something like that. But uh, my favorite part of this cartoon, though, is Moran looking at uh, a licorice soaked ball under a telescope. Now, I said <laughs> telescope because this is not a microscope. He is looking through a long lens at this thing. But while he's doing that, this is, uh, his, he's got a speech bubble above him, and it says, I can see microbes. Microbes is spelled capital M-I-K-E dash R-O-B-E-S. Mike robes. Like, if your name is Mike and you own several robes, <laughs> those are microbes. He it's, can see you. He can see that. <laughs> so make sure to tie it up front. You know what? Uh, well, Harry Howell. The, uh, the captain here who uh, went to his apothecary on call. He played for 13 seasons in the big leagues. He finished with a record of 131 and 146. Interestingly enough, baseball reference lists Howell right next to Ray Caldwell in the similarity scores. Now, if you're a fan of this show or baseball in general, uh, that name probably, you know, something about Ray Caldwell. Had he soaked his hands in benzene, He might not have been able to finish that one game in 1919 when he was on the mound and was struck by lightning.
1: (laughs) With the benzene, he could have caught fire.
0: Yes, he could have very well. He could have died on the mound. He could have burnt. Like, there could have just been a pile of ash there.
1: Like, yeah, like a spinal tap drummer.
0: Oh, yes. Yes, those (laughs) spinal tap drummers and uh, pitchers who soak their hands in benzene.
1: Yes. All in the same category.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ray Caldwell was, by the way, one of those pitchers who was grandfathered in after the ban on the spitball. I didn't know that. Hmm. There you go. There is uh, an article about how the uh, St. Louis Browns totally defeated the spitball very easily with uh, with a little help from uh, from chemistry.
1: Man, that was a good story, man. I- All
0: right, that's going to do it for uh, the main segment of our show. It is time that we uh, head into the final segment of the show. It is uh, the segment that we have called since we started doing this and then paid uh, somebody some money to do a theme song for it. Uh, it's time for Wax Packs Hero.
1: Wax Pack Hero! Gotta pull the Wax back, Hero!
0: On a podcast tonight. If you're new here, this is the segment of the show where we open up some uh, old baseball cards from the Wax Packs slash Junk Wax era, and uh, we look at them. But fortunately for you, we do more than that. Uh, we also talk about them. We uh, take their baseball reference score of the year of the cards that we are looking at, and we add those up. What happens then is uh, we determine who has the highest score at the end, but that's still not enough for us. We still want more rules because who doesn't love rules so what we do anything on the player's face in the card that means glasses mustache eye black uh anything like that you're gonna get an extra tenth of a point if we deem it a just top-notch mustache you can get an extra bonus tenth of a point as well if they're wearing real stirrups and sanitary socks that we can see that's an extra tenth of a point but if they're wearing the two-in-ones that's a minus tenth of a point because we don't like the way that looks if they won an award the year of the card that means rookie of the year Cy Young MVP if they were an all-star or they won the Jim Cott slash Greg Maddox award otherwise known as the gold glove You get an extra half a point for each of those. If there's a Hall of Famer on the card, whether they're the focus or not, that is a whole extra point of war. And if Ricky Henderson shows up in either my pack or uh, Mark's pack, I get five points regardless whose pack it shows up in. And if Nolan Ryan does, uh, same thing. Mark gets all the points. Uh, also, pop culture references, uh, we're going to give an extra half a point for each of those, unless they appeared in either an episode of Seinfeld, The Simpsons, or Sabrina the Teenage Witch, in which you get a whole point in there. Steve Sachs, right off the bat, you get two whole points, because he was in The Simpsons and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. You can't beat that. Also, Mark, you and I are both going to pick a team. Uh, and if my team shows up in either pack, I get a half a point. Your team, you get a half
1: a point. Who are you going with today? I think I'm going to go with the St. Louis Cardinals.
0: I I was going to go. I was going to go there. (laughs) Can I
1: take the Browns? The Browns, yes.
0: Since you took St. Louis uh, and I was going to take the Browns, I'm going to take the Orioles because uh, that's where they moved to. Makes sense. Let's see here. uh, And also our final rule, as if there weren't enough. But if uh, the player ever appears in the Mitchell Report or was suspended for using PEDs, that's a minus half point because that's not cool. All right, Mark, today we are dealing with some... uh, I'm still going through these uh, rack packs, but today we are dealing with some 1990 Fleer cards. So uh, I've got two of the three rack packs here. Uh, One in my left hand, one in my right hand. Which one would you like? Gonna go right. Gonna go right. All right, I'm gonna have you go first, as usual. Uh, You've got a sticker here. You've got four miniature stickers. Twins, Yankees, Padres, Giants. No... uh, no Cardinals, so no bonus points for you.
1: No points. No.
0: All right, uh, let's start off here. You've got a Houston Astro. You'll like it. It's Bill Doran.
1: Hey, hey, one of my favorites of all time. Fantastic second baseman, switch hitter. He's one of those quiet but got it got it done kind of guys, you know.
0: Let's see, 12 years in the big leagues uh, for Houston. He was there nine years, three with the Reds, one with the Brewers. And in 1990, he split time between Houston and Cincinnati. He hit 300 that year, a 411 on base. Wow. Uh, seven home runs, 37 RBI, 23 stolen bases, and a 135 OPS plus. And that is good enough for a war of 3.4.
1: Solid. Billy Dorn, baby.
0: Wasn't Dorn on that? Uh, he was on the Reds in 1990 that we don't talk about, wasn't he? I believe he was, yeah. Uh, let's see. Has three children, Dana, Amy, and Ryan. Let me guess.
1: Ryan named after Nolan.
0: Named after oh, Ryan Howard. Oh, yeah. bummer. Somehow he knew that was going to happen. Ah, yeah, we've talked about this. And his sister, Denise, Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. But uh, right. Very good start there. Uh, 3.4. All right, Mark, next you have got a member of the Oakland Athletics. So this is going to be good. He's got eye black and he's got flip downs, which is automatically cool. He was a rookie of the year. That still doesn't narrow it down. It's Walter Weiss.
1: The great Walt Weiss, shortstop, manager, All-around good guy.
0: I don't know why I always try to work him into uh, Immaculate Grid, but uh, Oakland, Colorado, Atlanta, and Florida in his 14 years. Of course, he went on to manage, I believe, in Colorado for a little bit as well. In 1990, with the A's, 138 games. He hit 265, a 337 on base, two home runs, 35 RBI, nine stolen bases, a 90 OPS plus, and that will equal a 4.2. Wow! I didn't see that coming for Walt Weiss plus uh, the uh, the eye black and the flip down. So that'll be a four point four right out of the right out of the shoot for you with Walt Weiss, uh, first round draft pick by the A's, number eleven overall in the nineteen eighty five draft. Boy, he was traded to the Marlins
1: for literally nobody. That's uh, <laughs> Not cool. This is interesting. Uh, uh, In 2022, he was offered an interview for the Miami Marlins vacant managerial position, but turned down the opportunity. Wow. Jeter was still the owner at that point, right?
0: Yeah. That's interesting. (laughs) He's like, I no, I don't want anything to do with this organization. Uh, All right. So nothing else there. You're at 7.8 after two cards. Oh, wow. This is a good pack so far. Uh, One of your guys from Atlanta, David Justice. Just ice. I like when we get him in wax facts because we've talked about him so many times. We can get through uh, get through it pretty quick. <laughs> yes. Atlanta, uh, for eight years of his 14 years, also in Cleveland, New York, a Yankee in pinstripes there, and a member of the A's his final year in 2002. 1990, his second year in the big leagues, he was a rookie still technically that uh, year one rookie of the year also got mvp votes uh, 282 average 373 on base 28 home runs 78 rbi 11 stolen bases and a 143 ops plus that is good uh, 2.9 more less valuable than Walt Weiss or Billy Dorn right <laughs> uh, it's it's a little uh, little surprising to only be a, yeah. a 2.9 there for uh, for justice Let's see, traded by the Braves with Marquise Grissom to Cleveland for Alan Embry and Kenny Lofton. Pretty good. Then uh, the Yankees traded him to the Mets for Robin Ventura. So some uh, big names wow. there. I think we can go ahead and give him pop culture reference for uh, for being uh, portrayed in Moneyball. But he also appeared in the Mitchell Report, so... Yes, I think we're going to go ahead. We'll just call that an even. Well, no, he was on Celebrity Wife Swap. I'm going to have to give you a half a point.
1: Okay. Yeah, I forgot about the Celebrity Wife Swap.
0: Yeah, you don't get on Celebrity Wife Swap and then not get rewarded for it.
1: (laughs) That was a weird sentence.
0: Okay, next. Wow. This looks, uh, he looks very strange here in a Yankee uniform here uh, because definitely not who you and I think Of this guy playing for it is Mike (laughs) Blowers Mike Blowers 11 years in the big league six with the Mariners three with the Yankees one with the Dodgers one with Oakland Uh, let's see in 1990 his second year in the big leagues with the Yankees 48 games a 188 average 255 on base five home runs 21 RBI and a 60 OPS plus and that is a minus 0.8 I'm gonna have to take this up with him Wow. Minus 0.8. And there's nothing on this card that's going to help you out, unfortunately, there. Uh, Let's see. He was drafted four times before before finally signing. He was drafted by the Mariners in the eighth round in 84, the Giants in the second round in the supplementary draft in 84, the fourth round by the Orioles in 85, and then the 10th round by the Expos in 86 and elected to sign with them.
1: Flowers born in Würzburg, West Germany. Back when there were two Germany's,
0: yeah, one of those uh, one of those rare guys that was born in Germany that has played in baseball. Yeah, only forty four, as a matter huh. of fact. The most recent of which, uh, Brendan Donovan, apparently. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, he also played seventy three games with the Hanshin Tigers in nineteen ninety nine. Hmm. Huh. He's got some health issues right now. Hasn't been in the booth for most of the year, but. Uh, yeah Mike no, flowers all right, next, oh wow, this is a good pack. this is really a good pack. uh next here with the Chicago White sox, a very young looking Sammy Sosa.
1: Wow. Well, we can go ahead and do the Mitchell report.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm just going to put the minus 0.5. You know, but he, I, he's got a lot of uh, pop culture stuff, too. So, I mean, I guess it'll get wiped out here. Not sure you're going to get a whole lot here in 1990 from Sammy Sosa. Overall, 18 years in the big leagues. 13 with the Cubs, 3 with the White Sox, 2 with the Rangers, and 1 with the Orioles. In 1990, with Chicago, 153 games. That's the Chicago White Sox. Hit 233, 282 on base. 15 home runs, 70 RBI, 32 stolen bases, and a 92 OPS plus. And that will equal a war of 0.5. He does have a mustache as well, so that will be a 0.6. We're just going to call it even on the, uh, on the old pop culture and Mitchell report list, I think. That'll be a Makes white sense. Uh Let's see. At one point, it was traded by the Rangers with Al- Wilson Alvarez and Scott Fletcher to the White Sox
1: for Harold Baines and Fred Manrique. Soso was once placed on the disabled list for uh, back spasms after he sneezed really hard at his locker. Eh, you know, it happens. It happens. <laughs> I've sneezed pretty hard, but wow.
0: Well, I mean, oh, also- on the IL. You don't take uh, you don't take steroids. You don't have oh, like a million that would be a heck of a sneeze, right? Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying.
1: That's like a typhoon.
0: Yeah, that could be. You, you would want to see an apothecary about that. <laughs> Maybe yes, put some exactly. benzene on it. I don't know. All right, uh, let's see. So you are at. Uh, I don't think I totaled that up, did I? <laughs> no, but go ahead. Let's add. Uh, let's see. You are at 0.5 and then we were going to wipe, and then uh, you get a mustache, so it'll be a point six that's the shorthand version of sammy sosa all right uh next you have got a texas ranger with some eye black and a mustache so that's a, a good start it's cecil Espy. eight years in the big leagues four with texas two with the bucks one with the dodgers one with cincinnati in 1990 with the rangers only 52 games hit 127 yikes ouch 235 on base no home runs one rbi 11 stolen bases That's what he did. Uh, Yeah, he's basically a pinch runner, it looks like. And uh, overall, that'll be a minus 0.5. Yikes. Uh, The mustache and the eye black will only make it a minus 0.3 for you, so it's not that bad. First round draft pick, eighth overall by the White Sox in the 80 draft. Uh, Was once traded with Sid Bream to the Pirates for Bill Madlock. All right, so you're at 10.2 with a couple of cards left. You have got, uh, with Atlanta... He's got a mustache. You got that going for you. Andres Thomas, shortstop. I don't think 80s packs usually counted unless there was an Andres Thomas in it.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, you know, I have a few Andres Thomas commons <laughs> somewhere. And then I remembered like everywhere. So. Yeah,
0: I rem- I was wondering where mine were, but then I remembered I wallpapered the entire house in them. So that's where they are. But Andres Thomas, six years in the big leagues, all of it with Atlanta. Ninety was his final year. He appeared in 84 games, hit 248, 302 on base, five home runs, 30 RBI, and a 48 OPS plus. And that is a war of minus 1.8.
1: <laughs> minus 1.8. That
0: You're might killing be killing me, Thomas. That might be why it was his final year. Uh, career war of minus 5.7. He had one season. 1986 is the only season that his war was not negative.
1: Wonderful. Talk about a space filler. My God.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's. And you know what, though? He played for six years in the big leagues, so. Uh, this is true. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. Uh, let's see. Free swinger prompted at one point Atlanta broadcaster, Hall of Famer Don Sutton to ask during Games, why would you even throw him a strike? <laughs> also listed as an erratic fielder. Well, even better. So he can't hit and he can't field, mm. but he has a little bit of power.
1: That's it, and That's... he
0: and he can he can run a little bit. Uh, okay, so you're at eight point five. Next, you've got uh, third baseman for the Chicago White Sox. It's uh, Nolan Ryan's buddy, Robin Ventura. Well, this could be some points. The first thing I always think about Robin Ventura is not Nolan Ryan. It is always the uh, the hit streak that he had at Oklahoma State. Oh, yes. Yeah. always the first thing I think of. I don't know why. 16 years in the big leagues for Ventura. 10 with the White Sox, 3 with the Mets, 2 with the Dodgers, 2 with the Yankees. Let's see. In 1990, he came in 7th in the Rookie of the Year balloting, appeared in 150 games, hit 249, 324 on base, 5 home runs, 54 RBI, and an 83 OPS plus, and that will equal a war of 2.4. Hey, a positive good news yeah good news for you i can see white sanitary socks as well very nice so that'll be a 2.5 let's see he pitched for the dodgers in 2004 at one point which uh that was his final season in the big leagues got into one game one inning pitched one hit that's it finished it up got three outs
1: Pitching career, Nice.
0: First round draft pick by the White Sox tenth overall in nineteen eighty eight. Oh, he was traded by the Mets to the Yankees for former pack mate or current pack mate, Dave Justice. Hmm. I don't remember that trade. You think I would remember that trade? Synergy right there, huh? Oh, here's another thing, uh not Nolan Ryan related. Remember he hit the grand slam single in game five of the nineteen ninety nine NLCS? Jeez,
1: I you know, I haven't thought about that in forever.
0: Yeah, so he had a, it would have been a walk-off grand slam, but his teammates mobbed him after he touched first. So yeah. he only got credit for uh, for a single and one RVI, and he was not happy about it. <laughs> uh, also went on to manage, of course. I mean, he was a good shortstop. He was, uh, he was, uh, he was always one of the best uh, shortstop, one of the best third basemen.
1: Yeah, he was solid all the way around. Fantastic ball player. I am not sure
0: that uh, there's anything pop culture related, really. I mean, he's—you could argue that uh, probably a lot of non-baseball fans have at least seen him getting put in a headlock by Nolan Ryan, but uh, I'm not sure that that qualifies as pop
1: culture. <laughs> no, I wouldn't think so. Yeah.
0: So you're down to your final card. You're at eleven even right now.
1: 11 generally won't hold
0: up. This is me we're talking about, though. Uh, Let's see. You've got a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, which is your team. So there's a a, a plus 0.5 right off the bat. Pitcher Frank DePino. I think he was an Astro at some point, I believe. You are correct. Uh, in his 12 years in baseball, he was a Houston Astro for five, Cardinal and Cub for three each, and then a Royal and a Brewer for one each. In 1990, with St. Louis, he went 5-2, and two, 4.56 ERA in 62 games, 81 innings pitched, 92 hits, 49 strikeouts, and an 84 ERA plus. And that is good for a Boar of minus 0.7. And if that wasn't good enough news, he's also got two and ones.
1: Oh, my goodness. So that Thanks would
0: a lot, Frankie. be a minus minus point eight. I like it.
1: He has the best batting average against for any pitcher who faced Tony Gwynn more than 10 times. Oh, very nice. One for 20 with three walks. Not going to help him here, though. No, it won't uh, help me.
0: No, and uh, that wraps up your pack. Nothing else on this card or in <laughs> his bio is going to help you. You got a 10.7. Oof. Yeah, you've done better. Not gonna lie. <laughs> All right. Uh, so it is time now for me to uh, open my pack and let's see what we get. See if I can beat a 10.7. I'd wish you luck, but I don't wanna. Uh, mm. Let's see. My uh, sticker is a big royal sticker. I am starting off with an expo. That's always good. First baseman, Wallace Johnson. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know either. Hey, you got me on this one. Uh, he looks like a big dude. Let's see. Wallace Johnson. Well, he's only six foot 173. He looks like a giant on this card. Wow. He's tall and skinny, though, apparently. Let's see. Nine years in the big leagues, nine with Montreal and then part of a year with the Giants. He was uh, traded midseason of 83 from Montreal to San Francisco and then re-signed in 84 with Montreal and spent the rest of his career there. So they liked him, apparently. Uh, let's see. 1990, his final year, 47 games. He hit 163 with a 281 on base. One home run, five RBI in a 49 OPS plus still has a war of 0.01 or 0.1, I guess would be the case. And he's got a mustache. So at least, you know, I'm I'm trending upwards it was better than half my cards.
1: <laughs> this OK, former major leader and TV analyst Hawk Harrelson gave him the nickname Waven Wally. Who wants to be called Waven Wally? I'm assuming what? he struck out a lot. Waven Wally. That's like mediocre Mark. Uh, let's see, he
0: coached uh, as well, including uh, both Frank Thomas and Vladimir Guerrero. Wow, okay, that, that, that's something to talk about. During his time as an expo, he was teammates with five future Hall of Famers that wore Expos jerseys, Gary Carter, Andre Dawson, Tim Raines, Randy Johnson, and Larry Walker. Wow, good company.
1: It's a lot
0: of guys to be in the Hall of Fame that played for the Expos. Okay, next card, number double zero. I love it, for the Mariners. Jeffrey Leonard.
1: Don't call me
0: Jeff. I prefer that people call me Jeff rather than Jeffrey, but nobody calls me old penitentiary face or anything like that. So uh, I'm also not as surly most of the time as... (laughs) But uh, let's see Jeffrey Leonard 14 years in the big leagues, 8 with San Francisco, 4 with the Astros, 2 with your Mariners, 1 with the Dodgers, 1 with the Brewers in 1990 his final year in the big leagues, 134 games, he hit 251 305 on base, a 10 home runs, 75 RBI, stole four bases, which is pretty impressive. 85 OPS+, plus, and that is good for a -1.7 WAR.
1: Wow, you almost matched my minus 1.8
0: What is, I mean These are both in the final year Of these guys' careers
1: <laughs> Jeff Leonard, one of my favorite Nicknames, Hackman
0: Yep, one slap down, remember that When he'd oh, yeah, run around with it Yeah, uh, so he does have a mustache He does have eye black, so that'll get me uh, At least two tenths of a point Going the right way Wow, Went to the same high school that Wilt Chamberlain And Walt Hazard went to Wow! I know who those are. Those are uh, baseball. Those are basketball players.
1: You are correct, sir.
0: Started a foundation called the One Flap Down Foundation to help single parents going through breast cancer treatment. That's good. Wow, that's neat. All right. Next, I've got a another giant who I like it because he's wearing real stirrups. He has got a mustache. He's got eye black and he's got flip downs. So just right there, I'm getting four tenths of a point before I even tell you who it is. It is shortstop Jose Uribe. I don't know. Do do, do, do people remember that chant?
1: Um, There's probably a couple people listening that know the chant.
0: Jose, a 10-year veteran, eight with the Giants, one with Houston, one with St. Louis. 1990, uh, he was on the 89 World Series team. That's how I know him best. 1990, 138 games. He hit 248. 297 on base, one home run, 24 RBI, and a 69, nice, OPS plus. That's good for a minus 1.1. 1. 1. <laughs> <laughs> that 10.7 uh, is looking awfully tough right now, is uh, so <laughs> I got to say. That is terrible. Good names, but awful seasons that we're looking yes. at here.
1: Jose uh, Uribe changed his name from Jose Gonzalez Uribe to just Jose Uribe, making him the ultimate player to be named later.
0: Wait, okay, hold on here. Hold on. There is a whole heading here for 1990 Fleer baseball card. Really? <laughs> I am holding in my hand a 1990s Fleer Jose Uribe baseball card. I'm just going to read this straight off here, so I'm not. we're not... I don't want to mislead anybody. It says, for several years, Jose Uribe's 90 Fleer baseball card was considered a common in a dramatically overproduced baseball set. However, in 2018, several of these cards began selling on eBay for hundreds of thousands of dollars with claims that they are rare. According to eBay sold listings data, some copies of this card have been sold for enormous amounts, though according to Beckett, those sales are dubious at best. Beckett has stated there is nothing rare or uncommon about the card, and its exorbitant asking price in some auctions has no definable
1: merit. My goodness, that's so weird.
0: I mean, I can see this one is off-center. I'm not going to get a 10 here if I send this in to get it graded, but I think I'm going to throw it up on eBay and just see what I get. I'll start at $10,000. We'll kind of play it by ear.
1: <laughs> Uh, well, we can quickly check eBay and see how what uh, some have <laughs> sold for. Uh, ninety Fleer, four bucks, dude. Two dollars and fifty cents, ninety nine cents, and that one's graded. Well,
0: you know, four bucks is a lot more than most of these cards are going to get. So that's I'll a say. good point. All right, my next card. I'm at minus two, by the way, not minus point two, minus two. <laughs> uh, next card with Atlanta. It's pitcher Kent Merker.
1: Merker was a good
0: pitcher. He certainly was. Uh, I, I'm reading Chipper Jones' uh, autobiography right now. He talks a lot about Kent Merker. He is uh, he's a big pickleball player now, by the way. Uh-huh. Just uh, interesting. Keep catching up with Kent. This uh, that's this segment of catching up with Kent. Pickleball. All right. Let's see. 18 years in the big leagues. Eight with Atlanta. Five with Cincinnati. Two with the Cardinals, and then one with Colorado, Boston, the Cubs, Anaheim, Cleveland, and Baltimore. In 1990, only his second year in the big leagues, went four and seven with a 3.17 ERA, 48 and a third innings pitched, 43 hits, 39 strikeouts, a 128 ERA plus, and that is good for a war of .5. Hey, there you go. I mean, that got positive number. It's not going to put me in the positives, but first round draft pick, fifth overall in the 86 draft by Atlanta. Uh, let's see. He was traded Buy the Orioles to Cleveland for Eddie Murray. Not bad.
1: No, no, no. I wish I could have been traded for Eddie Murray.
0: Especially, spoiler alert, Eddie Murray is the next card in my pack.
1: Uh-oh. Oh, Uh -oh, there's some points.
0: Yeah. Let's see here. Nothing else I see here is going to help him. Oh, he did throw a no-hitter. How about that? There you Uh, go. Well, at least he took part in two no-hit games, both with Atlanta. Let's see. Combined Merker, Mark Woolers, and Alejandro Pena. And the second was a solo effort. Okay, so he threw a complete game no-hitter in 94. So, wow. Two no-hitters. That's uh, pretty good. And then uh, played in the 2022 Minto U.S. Open Pickleball Championship. Hmm. Doesn't say how he did. All right, I might have spoiled it, but my next card is a Hall of Famer. It is none other than Eddie Murray. Now, unfortunately, he's not in an Orioles uniform here because that would have put me over the top. Uh, Eddie is one of those guys I always use an immaculate grid when trying to think of somebody that's played for a couple of teams. He only played for five in 21 years, but Baltimore, the Dodgers, Cleveland, the Mets, and the Angels. But I like to try and get the Mets or the Angels in there because he didn't play long, so hopefully the score will be smaller is my thinking but in 1990 with the Dodgers uh, 155 games he hit 330 a 414 on base he came in fifth in the uh, MVP balloting by the way he had three triples Eddie Murray Wow you know looking at this there are only three seasons in his 21 years he did not have a triple <laughs> that's no kidding. I would have not thought that uh, 26 home runs 95 RBI eight stolen bases. And a 159 OPS plus. And all of that is a 5.2 war. Whew. I'm in the positive, baby. There uh, you go. Let's see. Uh, also, Hall of Famer. So that's a, a plus one. He has got, oh, I think Eddie Murray's going to get a two tenths of a point mustache as well. This thing is taking over his lower, the lower third of his face. I'm going to have to do it um and uh if this was old rules he's wearing a, a hat underneath his batting helmet here oh gotcha that's a good look but it's not going to help me at all we already mentioned traded for ken marker
1: at one point very odd yeah but that's how we run it here yeah it's... Uh, what, how about this was a high school teammate of Ozzy smith i'd like to play those
0: guys <laughs> yeah in la and wasn't there i thought there was somebody else on that team that Went on to play in the big leagues, too. Like, he, that that high school was incredible. Named the fifth-best first baseman in Major League history by Bill James. Nice. All right. So that takes me up to 4.9. Thank you, Eddie. No pop culture references. Too surly. Hmm. Between he and and uh, Jeffrey Leonard, I have got a surly pack thus far. Yes, sir. Me? Uh, uh. All right, uh. I've got a Baltimore Oriole, so I like that. That's a positive <sighs> 0.5 right off the bat. He's got a mustache. I like that. That's a positive one right off the bat. It is uh, Larry three sheets to the wind. Larry Sheets. Eight years in the big league, six with Baltimore, one with Detroit, and his final year, 1993. With my Mariners. With the Mariners. Uh, 1990 with Detroit, 131 games, 261 average, 308 on base, 10 home runs, 52 RBI, and a 97 OPS plus, and that is good for a WAR of minus one. I just can't win. I can't win. That's three
1: negatives over one, or one or over.
0: That is ridiculous. What is going on with this pack? Let's see. I'm guessing, well, he was not in the big leagues. He was playing in Japan. The uh, oh, it's for Yokohama whales, but they're called the Taiyo whales at that point. Well, good for him. He played in 131 games. Nice. So, so he stuck, stuck it, out, it out. Hit 308, 26 home runs, and 100 RBI. Nice. Can I take the WAR from that year instead? Um, let me look at the rules. No, I thought I had a, a, a way in there, but I guess a
1: loophole. You yeah. were looking for a loophole. Yeah. Some of you may have heard of uh, his son Gavin plays for uh, the Chicago White Sox. Oh, really? There you go. Yes. I didn't know that. His lack of enthusiasm and
0: commitment to the sport while in the minors frustrated Scouts.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Uh,
0: in a 13-11 to 11 loss to the Rangers in 1986, which was the first ever game in Major League Baseball history to feature three grand slams, Sheets and Jim Dwyer each hit one in the fourth inning off Bobby Witt and Jeff Russell. All right. Uh, no pop culture references. I was, he seemed like... Prime Sabrina the Teenage Witch fodder, but I guess not. Uh, let's see next. Oh well, uh, we know all about this guy. Uh, it's second baseman for the Astros, Bill Doran.
1: <laughs> uh, interesting note about Bill Doran: he was in my pack.
0: <laughs> Fun fact: this way to the clubhouse. So we're not going to go over any of that, except for remember that. Oh, he had a WAR of <laughs> three points, uh, three point four. I'll take it. Wow. And uh, yeah, that was it. So that takes me up to 7.9. I've got two cards left. The next card, fun fact uh, about this next card, he
1: too was in your pick. <laughs> Walt Weiss. <laughs> uh, another good score, too. Yeah, I think this is another good. How, how can I beat you if you get all the good players I had? How
0: in a rack pack where you're giving a person three packs at a time, all in the same package, are you putting duplicates out? It Come doesn't on, make Fleer. sense uh let's see uh so that's a 4.2 he's got eye black and glasses so that'll be a, a plus 4.6 and <laughs> with that that will take me up to 12.5 you took all my good points it's not even right i traded for them this is baseball i traded for them you must have uh and then i've got one card left and he's a hall of famer oh wow uh, this is a great comeback this is like hitting three Grand Slams in the final inning. Uh, it is a league standout, league standouts card, and it is Barry Larkin. In uh, 1990, first of all, Barry Larkin was an all star. Uh, I like that. 158 games, 301 average, 358 on base, seven home runs, 67 RBI, 30 stolen bases, and a 104 OPS. And he came in seventh in the MVP voting, and that is good for a 5.7. He's a Hall of Famer, so that's 6.7. He has got real stirrups and a mustache, so that is 6.9. He does have on uh, MIMS bands, but that is not a thing in our rules anymore, unfortunately, because I really wanted to kind of pour it on here on this late. Yeah, thanks. Uh, First round draft pick, fourth overall by the Reds in 1985. I'm not sure that there's uh, any
1: Barry Larkin pop culture. There might be. I mean, I've seen him as like an analyst. Yeah, but he does. Uh, count, but yeah,
0: he's uh, he's an analyst on uh, on Bally for the Reds. But I am not sure that he has been on TV or had a uh, song named after him. Um, let's see, he, not, he named one of his daughters in honor Shea Stadium.
1: That's kind of cool, Brielle
0: DeShea Larkin. Uh, and that's uh, yeah, that's about it. So All I'll right. I'll take my six point nine. Nice. and uh that will take me up to 19.4 if you remember like four cards in i was minus two you slow rolled me man <laughs> so what that does uh looking at the scoreboard i am now up to 10 wins and i'm on a streak you Oof. are at seven i'm struggling yeah i don't want to jinx it but I, uh, it's going well for me here uh recently uh that's gonna wrap up this uh episode though of wax packs here i was also going to take us to the end of this uh podcast that's not forever. I mean, just till next no, week. No, no, we hope not. But yeah, just till next week. We haven't been canceled yet. Uh, mainly because nobody's paying us or. Right, helping so it's hard us. to cancel us. Yeah, we can pretty much do what we want. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you cannot get enough of us, you can find us on all the social medias. All the links are in the show notes or wherever you go, not just on the internet, but in life. If you look up Two Strike Noise, TWO Strike Noise, you'll find us. We'll be there and we'll be there for you. Just like friends. Let's see, Mark. They also have an email address that uh, yeah. that uh, they can get to us.
1: Yeah, you can write to us at Two Strike Noise. Make sure you spell it out. Don't use that silly number. TWO Strike Noise at gmail.com. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this show. We appreciate
0: everybody tuning in. And uh, you know what? We'll see you again next week on the next episode of Two
1: Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.